Desmond Cole, thanks for coming in today. It's a pleasure, Mark. Nice to be with you. Now, The Skin We're In, A Year of Black Resistance and Power. Tell me a bit about this title then. Yeah, well, the title of the book kind of came out of a 2015 Toronto Life piece that I wrote about my own experiences of racial profiling with police in Ontario, and that was called The Skin I'm In. But this book, um, which kind of came out of that whole essay, is more of a look at Canada as a whole in terms of our black communities, a look at some of the challenges that we face, and a look at the ways that we're fighting back. It's a year of black resistance and power because every chapter of this book represents a month of the year 2017, where I'm telling different stories about uh, Canada's immigration system, Canada's schools, uh, Canada's jails and police, and how all of these institutions are affecting black life. But it's not just about blacks. I mean, you, you mentioned other, uh, like immigration, for example, other other races, other peoples sort of, sort of thing. Yeah, and I also talk a lot about um, our relationship with uh, Indigenous peoples in Canada, the fact that we are on stolen indig Indigenous territories and that I believe that we're all treaty people. I believe that for real and that we all have responsibilities, whether we come here as immigrants, no matter how we got to Canada, um, we have to understand the history of these territories and our responsibilities to Indigenous peoples, for sure. And so I talk about the I Don't Know More movement, and I talk about Canada 150 and the amazing resistance struggles and demonstrations and teachings that Indigenous people did all throughout uh, 2017 where this book is uh, set. Why did you write this book? Because I'm a journalist who finds we don't do a very good job of making connections when we're talking about black people in Canada. Everything is a one-off. Every new instance of police brutality or of a child being severely mistreated or disciplined at school um, or of immigration detention of a black person that has lasted years without resolution. Our media tends to respond to these situations every time like they're new and like they are surprising. And so for me, I thought, what if we didn't have that kind of veneer of shock, that like mock surprise that I see every time there's a new story? What if we were just to establish that this is the reality of black people and then lay it out in detail, not only by talking about the experiences of one year, but by contextualizing all of those things? So we're not going to talk about immigration in the 21st century, for example, without talking about things like the domestic workers scheme that brought Caribbean women here in the 50s under really strict regulations. We're not going to talk about uh, carding, the racial profiling of black and indigenous and other people in this country by the police, without talking about the enslavement of black people here and the past law system that stopped indigenous people from moving around their territory. We have to make the connections, and that's really what I got an opportunity in a more fulsome way than a newspaper article or, or an essay to do in this book. Now, in regard to the, the school child, the, the young girl, um, you used the word, for example, the police shackled her. Now, yeah. the, the, the word shackled uh, is, you, you, I mean, that's deliberate on your part. Yes. Why? As opposed to saying she was put in handcuffs or something. Well, if I because tell you... Because she was put in handcuffs. Yes, she was put okay. in handcuffs. But if I tell you that a six-year-old black girl was put in handcuffs, you might think that they only cuffed her hands. They didn't do that. 
They came into a school in Mississauga where a six-year-old was basically having a tantrum. The police came, and the police came because the school called them to come, and it was not the first time that they had even called the police on this six-year-old grade one black girl. They first used their handcuffs to chain her ankles together. Then they put the handcuffs on her wrists. Who does that to a child? If you or I do it to a child, we'll go to jail. If you or I do that to our own children, our children will be taken away from us. But I can't even tell you the names today of the officers who did that because they never faced any public sanction or accountability for doing that. And when I say shackle, I am necessarily referencing the enslavement of black children because I can't think of any experience that I've ever seen in this country it's so over the top that it, for a black person, it necessarily reminds us, as I say in the book, that we're not free, that our bodies are this playground for the police to experiment, to do whatever they'd like to, and that's the legacy of slavery. People might feel uncomfortable with it, right? They might feel like, well, that was in the past. But if you can do that to a black child today and not face accountability, I have to ask, what has changed? We're talking to Desmond Cole, the author of The Skin We're In, A Year of Black Resistance and Power. Desmond, this is an angry, even aggressive book. Do you get that? Is that what sort of what you intended, maybe? I don't know for whom it would read as angry. I think for black people in this country, my hope is that how this reads is as the truth. But I will say that to the extent that we experience anti-black racism in this country, that does make me angry. And I am more angry because it seems like uh, this white majority country can't be bothered with our plight, can't be bothered to see what's happening specifically to black people and to name it, to identify it, and to, to do something about it. That should make us angry. But as I sit here speaking with you today, people are blocking rail lines in solidarity with the Wet'suwet'en people over a pipeline. They're also angry. And the reason that they're angry is because a company in their minds is threatening land and water and air with a project on unceded territory. And so if I seem angry to people, I, I, I don't mind. I don't know how I'm supposed to be in the face of racism and white supremacy except outrage. And perhaps if more of us were angry, we would be doing better at addressing these issues. But you, you mentioned the Wet'suwet'en. Um, the hereditary chiefs are against this, but the elected band council and 20 of them across the, the pipeline route have said, yeah, this is a good thing. We're in, we're in favor of it. Have said, yeah, we want this. We want the jobs and so on. The first thing I will say is the elected band councils get their power from the federal government. So it's not really a surprise to me that an entity for indigenous peoples created by the government is more likely to go along with what the government is saying it wants to do. I don't think that the government has authority over that territory. That's the whole point. But I would go further than that, actually. I am not of that uh, ancestry or origin. I can't lay any claim to it. But I also don't want to see our waterways and our land and our air threatened by these projects. And our government does everything that it does by force. We have this fiction in Canada that we have law and order and that everything happens according to law and order. That law and order is imposed by force. 
So if the government wants to do something, it simply forces its way through. And people who are blocking railways right now, people who are standing up uh, in checkpoints, they're saying we're going to use force as well. If you're going to try and use force to take the land, we're going to use force to defend the land. And I think it's completely fair game. In the same way that in the black community, we are not a monolith, right? There's no one black opinion. There's no one black leadership that you can point to and say those are the real black leaders. I talk about that in my book and about how many of us have different politics in our community. We have different experiences. We speak different languages, worship different religions. But we still have to make decisions about what our politics and our values are. And I'm in solidarity with the values of people who are against that pipeline project. Now, you also mentioned uh, police violence against black people. And this is something, that, of course, that uh, has been in the news quite a bit, especially in the United States, but also here in Canada, of course. I'm just wondering, is it necessarily anti-black or is it a problem with the police training and psychology? Because I'm thinking back to an interview I did with a, a filmmaker who studied how Canadian police are taught by American methods mm -hmm. as opposed to, say, British methods, which are entirely different because the British methods say, let's try to calm the situation down. And the American slash Canadian methods are, if anybody gets within 20 feet of you, and you feel threatened, shoot them dead. You know, I mean, so... But, but what is it about that training that's supposed to be universal that keeps ending in black people dying? Why does every... I can stop you there. Okay, go ahead. There are, there are many other cases where they have killed white people or other people. Again, maybe there's a disproportionate number we, of black people. That's not maybe. Okay. That, that's a fact. Let's, okay, let's say there's a disproportionate number, but is it not still a problem of training and psychology of the police that's a great question you know i mean uh, abdurrahman abdi in ottawa was running away from the police and they caught him in front of his front door and beat him to death uh we still haven't explained though why there's such a disproportion of black people if there's nothing special in the police's eyes about black people but i i don't i don't i don't have to do this in the one case of policing because any system of punishment in canada disproportionately affects black people there are more black people in prison than anywhere near our share of the population, just like indigenous people. There are more black people taken in the child welfare system today. Would we say that the child welfare people who took away kids for the 60s scoop and for residential schools were just poorly trained? Absolutely would never say that. That would be an insult. That system was designed to go after a certain population. It might hurt people to hear that our prison system, our education system, punishment at work in the labor market, that these systems are designed, designed to look disproportionately at black people and indigenous people's existence as being more threatening. That might hurt people to hear me say that. You know what hurts me? The loss of jobs, the kids well, getting kicked out of school, well, I'm wondering, and the is, killings by the police. Is, is this not perhaps a, a social problem wherein there's a greater percentage of disadvantaged uh, black people and others of society. But what is it about being disadvantaged that gets you killed by the police? Well, I right? Mean, like, these are the questions. And by the way, if it's just a case of disadvantage, let's look at child welfare. Um, what we know about child welfare in Canada is that contrary to popular belief, most people don't have their children apprehended because they're, say, beating up their children. Most people have their children apprehended because child welfare services assess that they don't have the financial resources, to your point, mm -hmm. to take proper care of their kids. 
So the question is, why don't they? Where is the state to say, look, there's a group of people, there's a, it's an echelon of society mm -hmm. that needs greater financial and other support. But if the state wanted to do that, it could take all the money it spends on child welfare and just give it to poor people. But it doesn't do that, and that's how we know that this is about discrimination, because the state doesn't think that it is fair to give that money, for example, to black and indigenous people because they haven't earned it. They're not good enough. They're not upstanding enough. They're not deserving enough of simply being given the care and support that they need. That's exactly why we know it's racism, because the state will spend, for example, in Toronto, where I come from, a billion dollars a year on policing. We don't have money for transit in Toronto. We don't have money for childcare or kids' breakfast or after-school programs. But we don't think that the people who need those things are worthy of them. The only thing we would like to spend money on them is policing, and we will spend endless resources. The, the money spent alone in this country on just policing, courts, and prisons could probably alleviate every social ill that you are talking about. But we have to ask ourselves as Canadians, and specifically white Canadians need to ask themselves, what's stopping Canada from just handing that money over to the people who need it? What's getting in the way of alleviating the problem? Why all of this bureaucracy to police poverty, to administrate the, uh, the uh, effects of poverty, why? Why not just support people? Because they don't think that we as black people are deserving of that. They want to make a moral judgment about us living in poverty, about us having lower education rates, rather than just helping. Desmond Cole, final thought then. What do you want people to take away from this book? I'd like people to learn how long black people have struggled in this country, even before it was called Canada, because there is a connection between the history of this country and what we are experiencing today. It is not just a few people looking over, for example, across the border to the US and saying, you know what would be fun? Pretending to have a black crisis in education or policing. This is the history of what we've been living and I feel like when people read this and get a better picture of that, hearing the messages from black people today about reform, liberation, justice will make a little more sense. Desmond Cole, author of The Skin We're In, A Year of Black Resistance and Power. Thank you so much. It's my pleasure.